0: So yesterday, in part one, we talked about the different types of social media and how um, pain practitioners can incorporate social media into their practices. So we talked about things like LinkedIn, Facebook, we actually went through, Twitter we went through all of them a little bit, Um, and we talked about how you can use them for patient education, for um, preparing patients for office visits, for letting, you know, after your eight-minute visit, uh, referring patients to your YouTube videos, Uh, To learn more, you can start Facebook groups that are closed for your patients only. So that's a a quick review of yesterday. So today, we're going to talk about what not to do so you don't get in trouble. Um, Because uh, people do get in trouble using social media, and you're going to see some examples of that today. Um, Social media has changed the way we do things, and um, not always in a good way. So um, these are my disclosures. There's really nothing that I think... um, Uh, is is a conflict but I believe in full disclosure and I just have a lot of funding from different places so and I am a volunteer tweeter for the National Fibromyalgia Chronic Pain Association the disability section of of the American Public Health Association and the MyoPain Society. Um, Our learning objectives, at the end of this you'll be able to differentiate personal use of social media from professional use of social media and the reasons for pain practitioners to use social media. Um, to describe three ways social media can violate HIPAA, and to identify three social media interactions that can interfere with pain practitioner-patient relationships or get you in legal or other trouble. Um, Now, this, uh, uh, Alam and and Rothbard did a study, and they analyzed personal versus private social media. And they came up with four strategies on how to distinguish them and how to think about them. And they said that one strategy is an open strategy where you post whatever comes to mind. And obviously they said that that was very risky. Um, You really have to think before you post something. A good example of that is if you follow Donald Trump's tweets um, or any politician, and then you'll see them retracted. But you can't retract anything you've said on Twitter. Once it's there, it stays there. There's a place on uh, on, uh, in the internet called Time Machine, and they have like snapshots in time of all the websites. So for example, there's a matzo ball recipe I couldn't find. I went to Time Machine and I found these two gay guys in San Francisco who put on the Seder and I got the pictures and everything from Time Machine. So if you do something, it's findable, it's there. Um, There's an audience strategy where you carefully keep your professional and personal networks separate. Um, And this is what I recommend that you do as um, pain professionals. So you can send people from your personal Facebook to LinkedIn. So if a patient wants to friend you on Facebook, you tell them that you, you don't accept um, patients as friends, but you do on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is more harmless. It's really your professional profile. Um, fluidity. You know, friends can be coworkers, and that can get dangerous too because you don't want people seeing certain things. You know, If you go on a trip to see Aunt Molly in California, and you go to Disney World with the kids, you don't necessarily want your patients to see that you were wearing you know, a, a muscle shirt or whatever, um, or for women, if you know, you're wearing something uh, you know, appropriate for a party but not for the office. So you want to keep those things separate. The content strategy is accepting friends but limiting the scope of the content posted. And this one loses authenticity. Um, but what you can do is you can have a... Facebook page for your practice, and then a personal Facebook page. Um, If you have, we'll we'll talk more about that. Um, And then there's a custom strategy where you have the two distinct accounts, which is what I'm suggesting: one for professional, one for personal. Um, And the professional one is, um, you know, John Smith, uh, MD, as opposed to John Smith, uh, graduate of whatever school you went to. So how do we distinguish what's the difference between personal and private social media? And I'm making this distinction because when you don't keep the line separate, this is when you get into trouble, and I'll I'll be illustrating that. So um, your personal Facebook page, uh, you ensure privacy protections, but there are really no guarantees because um, a friend today may not be a friend tomorrow. So someone who is one of your friends can take something that you've said and destroy your Reputation by spreading it around and sharing it with everybody and people you don't want to know. Um, you should use your real name, leave off your birth date. Um, images, <clears throat> they become uh, your, your avatar. <clears throat> do you want your image to be uh, you with a smile or a serious face, or do you have that picture with your uh, wife and kids or husband and kids? That may not be the image that you want to portray as a professional, but personally you do. Um, your bio, you want to be positive and focus on interests. Well, who are your connections and what's the purpose in your personal page versus connection in your, um, your, per- your practice? And the content, you don't want to overshare. And we'll be talking in a minute about things you don't want to share on Facebook. Your practice Facebook page, privacy is not important because you're not you're not broadcasting anything on Facebook and your practice that is personal in nature or things that you don't want shared. You want that shared because you want everybody to know about your practice. Use your professional name, your business location, um, your image should be a professional photo with a logo if you have one for your practice. Um, your bio is your social media resume. Your social media resume is a very distinct statement of what your practice does. Um, your connections are people you care about and people who care about you in terms of you being a pain practitioner. And your content should you know evolve around your professional goals. Now privacy on Facebook. Um, there's a little thing in the corner where you can do a privacy. Uh, Checkup, and you can see what your settings are. You, that's the first thing you should do when you leave here today. What are your settings on both your practice and your professional, or your personal? <clears throat> your personal is more important than your practice, again, because you want people to see your practice, your advertising. But your personal, you don't. Now, here's an example of something horrible that happened. This was we, Facebook Revenge, an online reputation disaster. Um, this physician, um, uh, and forgive me for messing up this name. Angela Ramkusen was arrested in Miami. Somebody took a picture of it and put it up on YouTube. Um, So it was a woman in Miami who was assaulting an Uber driver, destroying his personal property including his iPhone and documents. The video was right here. She was a physician at um, Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami and on the faculty at the University of Miami. This went viral. It went absolutely crazy. It was all over, and her reputation was completely destroyed. Her picture was there. Everything. I mean, this really happened. I just, you know, copied it right off of the stuff that I saw. So this is something that you want to really be careful about. You never know when somebody has their iPhone going, um, and this can really harm you. And I don't know what happened to her, but I assume it wasn't pleasant at work. Now this was another. um, uh, This comes from six ways social media can ruin your life. This was a, um, a party an office party in Boston, and this woman posted a selfie of herself in her Halloween costume as a Boston bomber victim um, in Boston. Uh, it went viral. She was threatened by people on, uh, through social media. Um, <clears throat> this was, uh, you know, a medical personnel person, and this is from her Twitter account, and she was fired from her job for it. So you can see that you really need, you know, this was probably something that started out as a very innocent thing where, you know, everybody, a lot of people tweet their Halloween costumes. But, um, you know, you live in Boston, this is a very stupid costume, She shouldn't think, um, and the ramifications were horrible. And having lost, I had a, um, a relative, a distant relative who died in the Boston bombing, I think it was incredibly poor taste. Okay, this is a very interesting one. This just happened in June. Um, this is from, it's from an Australian newspaper about a pharmacist in Belize who lost his job over anti-gay Facebook posts. So, um, you know, it's interesting. It happened in Belize. It gets into the Australian newspaper. And what he did, he, um, he lost his job. He posted a Facebook thing expressing support for the Orlando shooter. Um, he said, I know people will hate me for this, but I believe the killing of 50 last night in Florida is justified. Seeing two men kissing erate the blank out of me, too. The only thing that keeps me from acting out is the fact of punishment our society would give me if I acted upon it. He wrote that he was proud that he was a moral psychopath, and he took a stand against what he sees as the real evil that's plaguing our society now in 2016, and he was fired. So, um, you know, people write a lot of things about Politics. Um, And you have to be careful about expressing religious beliefs. You want to talk, I think, the next slide, maybe, what's coming. Okay, this one is very interesting. This is a study of faculty surgeons. And they looked at 758 general surgeons, um, and they found 195 of them had um, Facebook accounts. And they reviewed their Facebook accounts. They found that 84% change had no unprofessional conduct. 20 20 or 10% had potentially professional you know, unprofessional conduct, and 10 had clearly unprofessional uh, conduct. And the clearly unprofessional behavior was found only in male surgeons, and it was more common in those practicing less than five years because they use social media more often. Um, alcohol and politics were the most commonly found variables in the potentially unprofessional group, and inappropriate language and sexually suggestive material were the most commonly found variables in the clearly unprofessional group. So um, you, know, you can see that you, you um, post something that you think is only going to your friends and that it's uh, you know, something that's not um, a problem, you know, it's, it's you know, not harmful, um, but that's not how it's interpreted because as a professional you're held to a certain standard of behavior and when it falls below that, um, that gets to be problematic. Um, after I turned in my PowerPoint, I received a, um, my Florida Bar Journal and, in the mail And there's a whole article on there on something called TRIBAL, which is Twitter libel cases, um, which was fascinating. And some of the interesting, I couldn't put that in the presentation, but some of the issues that have come up in these TRIBAL cases is that if somebody tweets about, you know, says something bad about you, that the courts are saying you have an opportunity to respond. And there's, they're, they're trying to figure out, as opposed to if somebody, if the New York Times prints something about you that's not true and you're not a public figure, you can sue them. You don't have an opportunity to respond right away. Yeah, you can write a letter to the editor and maybe five days later it'll get published, but all those millions of people have seen what a horrible thing you did in the interim. But the courts are saying, well, if somebody says you did something horrible on Twitter, you can immediately say, that's not true, that person's a jerk. Um, and respond to the same number of people that that person sent that, t- that saw that tweet. So it's kind of like maybe it's not really liable because you have an opportunity to respond. And then there's a whole nother body of law now that's talking about who is a reporter? You know, who's, who, what's media? So newspaper reporters can write about you if you're a public figure. They can say anything they want to about Trump, about Clinton, because they're public figures and the law allows them to say anything they want. Um, That's not the same true in other countries, but it's true here. So the question becomes, who's a reporter? And what's your First Amendment right? Do you have a right to say anything you want on Twitter? Um, So these are some issues that have not been determined and different courts are saying different things. So something to think about, that a patient could get on, on Twitter and say, you're a horrible person. Um, which is why as what I said the other day that Kevin Fo says you've got to check your, Twitter, your um, social media profile uh, regularly to see what people are saying about you, and I'll talk more about that in a minute too. So what should we avoid on, on Facebook? Um, you should avoid c- disclosing certain information. Like everybody wants to say, oh, I have a new girlfriend, or I'm getting married. Avoid relationships, religious views, political views, yeah you know, some people do have their home address and telephone numbers up on facebook, uh believe it or not, and private emails um anything you know these things the, anything you don't want accessible to the general public and patients if privacy settings are not properly configured uh be you, u don't no false information you know if you are putting up a fake account because um you know i I get a lot of requests to, for people to friend me who say that they're like a general from Afghanistan, you know, working in Afghanistan, and they have a picture of some hunk that's obviously not them. Um, don't do that stuff. You know, don't put up a fake account. Um, be you, because when you get caught with those things, it makes headlines like the, like the doctor who made headlines in Miami assaulting the Uber driver. So um, you don't want to do that. Pictures to avoid, um, pictures depicting partying, sexually explicit material, risky behavior, you know, partying drug, drunken party, um, keep those things off. And it may seem obvious to some of you, but you'd be amazed at how people get in trouble with that stuff. You know, now when you apply for a job, um, they check your Facebook page. They ask you on applications for, for you to give them access to your Facebook page because they want to make sure that you're not going to do something stupid in the future that reflects on them. Things not to post on your wall, blatant, patients, blatant comments about patients, disgruntlement with institution or supervisors or employees if you work for others, and inappropriate statuses. You know, you, you post your current status. Don't, don't put anything there that's stupid. Um, I say use the mom test, which is, would, is this something you'd want your mother to read um, or your children? because uh, they're gonna all have access to it at some point because as it gets shared someone will share it so that they can see it um, my son you know my son blocked me on Facebook and I just laughed and said you know your friends all share stuff your sister share stuff I get everything that you do so he unblocked me <laughs> um, you know it's like you live in Colorado I know you you grow and smoke marijuana what are you blocking for me um, okay security settings Make sure you know, there's a lack of privacy, so you have to make sure you have the security settings that you want with the understanding that it's still not secure, but get the best security settings you can on Facebook. Um, friending, don't friend patients, don't friend supervisors or people you work with. Um, like, liking issues, don't like groups with pornography or other controversial subjects because that will come back to you. I'm sure that the guy in Belize You know, was LinkedIn or was was friended, liked with certain um, political groups that people would not want to be associated with, gay-bashing groups or you know those kinds of things. So those are um, leave you open to problems at work and with your patients. Okay, ten social media blunders that can get you fired or interfere with the patient relationship. Posting something embarrassing on the corporate Twitter feed. Um, There have been cases where people have posted something that was supposed to be, they thought it was in their private account, and it went in their um, public account for the company they work for. I had this happen once with um, because I tweet for these multiple organizations, and they all come to my iPhone. Um, I thought it was tweeting on my own account, and I accidentally sent something out on the um, disability section of the American Public Health Association. So I I caught it, quickly went on, and deleted it, and hopefully nobody important saw it. Sexual oversharing, uh, you know, talking about, you know, wow, I spent the night with someone, any of that, anything like that, don't do it. Um, revealing company secrets, and you know, you don't always realize what company secrets are, but um, saying something like, wow, uh, we, you know, this drug company just came in and gave us this really big party last night. Well, maybe there's some sort of merger talks going on or, you know, something in the works. Um, that could be revealing company secrets. Um, Oh, blowing your own cover, and I've got a case, an example of this coming up, but um, if you call in sick and you go to the beach, don't post those pictures, and you'd be shocked at how many people do stupid stuff like that. Um, Or if you tell patients, I'm going to pain week, and you go to the Riviera, um, and you post those pictures, and the patient said, I thought you canceled my appointments because you're going to a a conference so that you can treat me better. Um, So watch out for those things. Uh, Talking smack about a job before you've even accepted it if you're in negotiations that stuff happens I had an interview with such-and-such such. this place seems really disorganized they made me wait for an hour people do this stuff They're, it's really stupid um, making fun of clients or donors or patients you know again seems very obvious when we're sitting here but when you're not thinking about it and you have that phone or you know your computer in your hand and you're you know you just something just happened and you just want to share that with the world um, making fun of your boss or team or office staff, um, posting while you're supposed to be working, um, and and that happens, and then they know it happens because it's got a timestamp on it. They know that you were supposed to be telecommuting that day, or you were supposed to be a pain week, um, and you weren't doing that. Um, complaining about your job and drinking in a photo despite your age—it just doesn't look good. Um, one thing I didn't mention yesterday that I think is real important that um, is helpful is something called live tweeting where um, I I live tweet because I I have trouble staying on task when I'm at a conference all day. So I will tweet the conference. Um, Most conferences have a hashtag um, and I will talk about, I will quote the speaker and tweet. So if you come to a conference like this, you could tell your patients that I'm going to a pain conference and I'm going to be live tweeting. And if you follow this hashtag, you can find out what I'm learning at that conference. And then while you're sitting there, you can tweet and that gets content out. Everybody knows that you know, Dr. Smith was at this conference, he's sharing, and you'll be surprised at how many followers you get because people wanna know what's going on at the conference, but they're not there. Um, so if we had a, a hashtag here of Pain Week uh, 2016, you could be tweeting the conference and letting people who couldn't come know what pearls of wisdom um, are happening. So that's another way to, to reach out and to get known. So this is an example of the, are you really sick? Um, this guy, Jones, worked for Ascensia Health and Rehab Center, a, a SNF. A, um, and as he was the activities director, and he was granted three months of family medical leave for um, a shoulder injury, shoulder surgery. At the end of the three months, the doctor released him to light duty, and the employer gave him 30 days to get a fitness for duty certificate to full duty. During the 30 days, he went to Bush Gardens and St. Martin's. He posted the pictures on Facebook of him swimming, having fun. Um, he got fired, and he sued over Family Medical Leave Act, and the court dismissed his case. So, um, you know, you really got to be, you know, think twice. It's nice to share, you know, your pictures with the family, but who else are you sharing them with? And th- what does it matter? Um, so, social media um, uh, in professionalism in, in the digital age, social networks may be considered the new millennium's elevator a public forum where you have little or no control over who hears you, what what you say, or even if the material is not intended for the public. In all of our training, no matter what profession we're in, um, we were taught not to talk about patients in the elevator because people are listening, and especially with HIPAA. That's been reinforced. So Facebook, Twitter, it's the 21st century elevator. So you can't say anything about patients on Facebook. Um, Now five legal issues in social media, privacy. There's no expectation of privacy on company servers um, with email or electronic equipment with texting. If there's a password to the website, it might be a privacy issue, but not if you post the video on YouTube. Um, Content ownership, who owns the content you post? If you close your account, who owns it? Who owns Facebook photos? There was a really big deal oh, a couple years ago maybe, Facebook was taking people's photos and selling them and putting them in ads. And, you know, people's kids were in diaper ads and stuff, so there was a big uproar, and Facebook reversed and said that you own your own photos. But that could change. Um, Intellectual property infringement. The use of photos or content from pages of others or company trade secrets. So you can't just take a picture off of someone's page. You have to find out who owns it. Um, Unauthorized activities um, at work using company... Um, equipment for harassment, cyberbullying, criminal activity, and uh, discrimination, and then regulatory compliance under HIPAA. Now, the dangers of social media um, and HIPAA. In 2011, Dr. Alexandra Tron, 48, was fired from her hospital. She was an ER doctor, and she was reprimanded by the state medical board. She set off a whole litany of... Um, regulations that all of a sudden everybody came and started regulating social media. The hospital took away her privileges to work in the emergency room for posting information about trauma patient. Now the irony is she didn't include the patient's name but it was in Rhode Island. It was a small place and she told enough information so that others in the community could identify the patient. Um, So she was fined $500 and she lost her job. Um, Now a web blog study looked at 271 medical blogs written by doctors or nurses and they found that individual patients were described in 42 percent of them that patients were portrayed positively in 15.9 and negatively in 17.7 that 46 or nearly 7 percent included sufficient information for patients to identify their doctors or themselves Um, and that was in 2008 since then there are a lot more blogs um, this one, this woman was just crazy. This was a nurse and she took pictures of an elderly man's naked buttocks as he moved his bowels in a nursing home. Um, I don't know what the heck she was thinking, she posted it on Facebook. Um, she was convicted of misdemeanor invasion of privacy and sentenced to eight nights in jail, two years probation, a ban from all social media, banned from working with vulnerable populations, fined and required to write a 1,000 uh, letter, letter of apology and the Oregon nursing board took away her license and entered her in a national database, I assume of sexual predators or something, I don't know, but she can't get licensed again. What was she thinking? Now this one was a very interesting case. These nursing students were working off campus at a hospital and they had a fresh placenta, Um, obviously from a birth that had just occurred. They took cell phone videos of themselves with the placenta and they asked the lab instructor you know, for permission to put it online and the lab instructor said, oh you girls. Now that's not a no and that's not a yes. So they posted the pictures on Facebook. They were thrown out of school or horrible things happened to them, they sued, the court reversed, and said that no patient privacy rights were implicated in the photo. Now, the school argued that since the placenta was fresh and the number of births that day at the hospital were, were you know, limited, and this was in the middle of nowhere, small town, that it would enable people to identify the patient. And the court said, no, we don't buy it. There's no identifying information. So they were allowed to graduate, and they are now nurses, and I don't think they will ever use Facebook again. Now the American Nurses Association has principles for um, social networking that I think are good for everybody, but this is what ANA says, that nurses must not transmit or place online individually identifiable patient information. You must observe ethically prescribed professional patient nurse boundaries. Nurses should understand that patients, colleagues, institutions, and employers may view postings. Uh, Nurses should take advantage of privacy settings and seek to separate personal and professional information online. Nurses should bring content that could harm a patient's privacy rights, um, et cetera, to the appropriate authorities. And nurses should participate in developing institutional policies governing online content, uh, conduct. Everybody, every practice, if you're going to get involved with this, you have to have a policy, and we're going to talk about that. Um, tips to avoid problems from a Remember, the standards of the profession are the same online as other circumstances. Don't share or post information or photos gained through that nurse patient or doctor patient relationship. Maintain professional boundaries in the use of electronic media, online contact with patient blurs this boundary. Do not make disparaging remarks about anybody even if you don't identify them. Don't take photos on personal devices including cell phones and report breaches of confidentiality and privacy. Um, this is a, a study of smartphone use, and they found that perfusionists admitted to using their cell phones during cardiopulmonary bypass procedures. To, almost half of them sent text messages, 21% checked their email, 15% were surfing the net, and 3% were posting on social networking sites. I didn't think you'd bring an iPhone into the ER, but I guess in some places you can. Um, another one, this was a horrible case. This was uh, from an article called Order Interrupted by Text. The attending said they should stop the patient's warfarin to prepare the guy for surgery. The resident was entering the order into her smartphone, and as she was entering the order, she got a text message. So naturally, she stopped entering the order, and she read the text message about the upcoming party, said she was attending, and kind of forgot about finishing the order. Um, the team moved on to the next problem. Um, the, the guy ended up having to have uh, cardio, open heart surgery because of the bleeding, and it was a big mess. Um, Now, this is another very interesting one. This doctor, um, Dr. Flea, he blogged anonymously as Dr. Flea. He blogged his own malpractice trial that involved the death of a child. If this guy isn't an idiot, I don't know who is. He blogged that he was coached by his attorney to answer questions so he would appear more appealing to the jury. And he was outed by the plaintiff's attorney in a Perry Mason moment on the stand when he said, are you Dr. Flea? And he could only answer truthfully and sound like a really big moron. Yes, I'm Dr. Flea. Now, um, how do you write a medical blog and not get fired? Um, that's a an actual title to an article written by Vez Dimov, a physician at Cleveland Clinic in South Florida. He recommends that you write as if your boss and patients will read your blog daily, and I add the mom test to that. That you inform your employer if the blog is work related, and find out if your employer has social media policy and get permission from your employer to do this. Um, if you're self-employed you're fine. You can use a disclaimer like the opinions expressed here are solely the opinions of the author and the information is provided for educational purposes only and not intended as medical advice. Should you need medical advice, see your physician. You can get your blog accredited with the Health on the Net Foundation and um, you will see the symbol on the bottom left on web pages and those web pages have been um, certified and accredited and they are um, sources of good information you can tell that to your patients if they see an HON on the bottom you can assume that the information on that webpage is reliable health information. And the slides by the way are I think somewhere you have access to all the slides too. Um, so professional guidelines for social media, check your code of ethics for boundaries because now after that doctor in Rhode Island got, got busted um, all of the medical societies came out. Nursing, you know, everybody came out with guidelines for social media. Uh, check for social media guidelines, like there's a nurse's guide to the use of social media from the National Council on State Boards of Nursing. The American Society of Health System Pharmacists has one. The Federation of State Medical Boards has the model guidelines for the appropriate use of social media and social networking and medical practice. And psychology is called Best Practices for an Online World. And the common theme in all of them is don't friend patients. These are some sample resources that are in the slides that you can see where you can find the four things I just mentioned. But if you Google social media, ethics, and your profession, um, you'll find it. Now, HIPAA lists 18 personal identifiers, including photos, neighborhoods, birth dates, and vehicle identifiers um, that you're not allowed to share. All are private. In a small town, these may identify someone. You know, there may only be one guy in. Uh, uh, um, Fitchburg, Fitchburg's too big, well, I lived in Wisconsin, but you know little towns. So maybe only one person has a Mercedes. So if you say a patient came in and his Mercedes today, that tells the whole town who that is. So um, you got to be careful with how you're identifying people. And even if a patient posts details about their medical condition, don't repost it, don't regram it, don't retweet it, don't do anything. Um, think before you post and remember that deleted posts still exist somewhere in cyberspace. Now, HIPAA considerations. Gossip about a patient on social media even without a name is a HIPAA breach. Um, never post pictures of patients or any personal protected health information without a written release. Um, office party pictures. Make sure there are no patients or patient pictures or files or computer screens open or anything that could give away um, patient information. And if you won't say it in the elevator, don't post it online. Uh, You can write about conditions, treatment options, research, or other topics in general terms, but don't give patient examples from your practice. No matter how you try and and, um, put a veil on that patient and disguise that patient, there's going to be some information in that description that identifies that patient, that that patient knows that it was them. And if that's the case, you've got a HIPAA breach. Don't do it. Um, if you want to talk about a Martian from outer space who came into your office in a spaceship and said that uh, he had pain in his tentacles, you can do that um, because you don't treat Martians with, from outer space, but, don't, but you do treat patients, so don't do it. Um, how do you avoid pitfalls on social media? To kind of um, put this all together, use the privacy settings. Check them, know how to set them. Set up a Google Alert. Yesterday I talked about Google Alerts for content, that you can go to this web address and you can put in um, certain keywords so that every day you get information coming to you with those keywords that you can use for content to tweet. You can also set that up to send you an alert for any time that your name is mentioned on the web um, or in social media. So you can set up an alert for your name and that's a good idea to do. Decline patient friend requests um, don't put logos in posts. Um, never use your work email to sign into social media. So if you have a work email that is uh, Dr. Smith at Smith Jones, PA, get a Gmail account. It's free, and use the Gmail account to sign into social media. Um, there's a lot of legal issues with that because if it has your um, your work address, it's part of work. And if there are subpoenas, if you're sued, there are some things going on you can separate and say that's my personal account, that has nothing to do with my work. So that's one way of protecting you. It also helps people not to get an address you don't want. Uh, Retrain employees who breach HIPAA, make sure you have a social media policy. Now this is the, uh, Mayo. anybody here from Mayo Clinic? Mayo Clinic has the greatest social media policy, it's 12 words. Don't lie, don't pry, don't cheat, can't delete, don't steal, don't reveal. Great policy. Um, but you can find their policy, and, and a really good resource is CDC has the social media tools, guides, and best practices. They have a recommendation there as well for a social media policy. And if you Google um, hospital social media policies, you'll find a plethora of them online, um, or uh, doctor practice social media policy, and I highly recommend them. But uh, yeah, you have to admit the Mayo Clinic one kind of sums it up very nicely. And so to, in conclusion, to summarize, Um, Set up a personal and a private persona on all social media in which you um, participate. Uh, LinkedIn you can probably keep it as one. Uh, Check security settings so only your friends have access to your personal accounts and check weekly. Keep professional accounts professional. Um, You can allow patients to friend your practice account but not your personal account. And you may want them to friend your practice account because you may have announcements on your practice account that says, you know, uh, the likes that say um, you know, Dr. Smith is going to be doing a live Twitter chat today on low back pain, or we have just uploaded a new um, uh, video to YouTube on low back pain or whatever that we you know we think everybody with a low back pain uh, diagnosis should watch this video. Uh, train employees. Um, Oh, okay, you can allow patients to friend, okay, so the train employees and um, receptionists too can also breach HIPAA. And I've been involved in situations where receptionists were the ones that breached HIPAA because you have a famous patient and they're like, oh, we have a famous patient. Um, And that gets out. Um, When a breach occurs, report it to your compliance officer if you have one or is required by law. And to me, again, the most important thing is use the mom test before you post. Is this something you wouldn't want your mother to see or your children to see? Um, because they're going to be able to, and they will, because everybody will spread it to them. And You know, with my son, when he posted something that he didn't want me to see, 20 people said, did you see what he posted? Which, of course, was more effective than if it had just come through my feed, because I probably would have missed it. (laughs) So, yes. okay the question is if you take a picture off of um, the internet because you're lecturing Im- images you know the thing is if it's if it's educational you can put a you know you can use it and put a reference to it As um, long, you know, if you're not selling it's not commercial there's a little bit of um, you know use allowance for that Okay, that's a very interesting question, especially since you all have access to everybody's slides. Um, the question was, if you um, give a lecture and the students want a copy of your slides and you send it to them, but there's a picture of one of your patients in there who gave you permission to use it for educational purposes, but once it's out of your hands, the students could be using it for who knows what purposes. I think what I would do in a situation like that is I would put, if, if you know your people are going to be asking for it, is I would put a disclaimer under it, um, you know, this, this uh picture please do not use this picture we were given you know the permission was given to use this in this presentation you do not have permission to use it in any other format any other questions yes I think that people are looking at patients on Facebook all the time, providers. Um, I know my doctors have. Well, if it, it's, if the information's open and available. Um, and I'm going to be talking a little more about good patients and bad patients tomorrow um, when I talk about uh, patient engagement. But, um, you know, I have this relationship with one of my doctors who he keeps, he tells me stuff, and I tell him I read this online. You know, I have, I've been doing research, and that's not what the evidence says. So, you know, he looked me up, and he said, oh, I see your college professor. I said, so now will you respect me because I am doing research? He said, no, you read too much. So I know, you know, I, we're all looking up. You know, everybody is, is looking up, everybody. You know, your, your daughter or son says they have a, a boyfriend or girlfriend, what's the first thing you do? You Google them. You know, that's just what people do these days is we Google everybody. You Google your doctor, your doctor Googles patients who are pain in the neck. Any other yes? You on this already, but I'm just your I think that LinkedIn is more professional. And I think that LinkedIn, that's why I, I recommend that you tell patients to friend you on LinkedIn. Because LinkedIn, there's not as much interaction. You control the interaction because you post things. So if you're on LinkedIn, you might post something about, um, I attended pain with you and I saw, you know, Dr. So-and-so spoke about X, just to kind of put something up there. But a lot of people don't post anything on LinkedIn. They use it almost like for emails, used it heavily for recruiting for jobs. That's the biggest thing LinkedIn is used for is recruiting for jobs, so I think it's it's relatively harmless. Yeah, on LinkedIn. you you clicked on that. yeah, you you clicked on that. Yeah. And you can click on that on Facebook, or on Messenger. you can click on that on anything. yes. I kind of, I didn't hear everything you said. Well, if you have a patient and you have an unusual sort of presentation and you're looking for... Okay, you want input and feedback? Okay, there's a... a yeah, there's a website called Doximity, um, doximity.com, that's only for health professionals. So you can go on that site and you can post that and say, I've got a patient that has this, does anybody have any ideas? There's another site that patients can go on, and I can't remember the name of it. I'm on it um, uh, myself as a health detective, where patients can go on and put their history and ask for health detectives to come in and help them figure out what they have, and I don't remember what that one's called. Yes? My licenses are actually, a few of my licenses are to my home, and that's all online. And so if someone's on board, you know. Do you live in Florida? Okay, no, because Florida has the most open records law of, in the country, so your home address is available. Yep. Change it, yeah, I mean, you can change it to a P.O. box if they'll let you, or to, uh, all right, because there are some, you know, some of those stores where they have um, boxes, it gives you a street address, but it goes into a P.O. box, when, you know, in the store. It's like a store of post office boxes. That's one idea. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a sweet. But it's going into a box. Yeah. Anything else? Okay, thank you.